0: ios news now sports brings you black and gold glory your all-access pass to all things hawkeyes this is eye on the hawks you like it when the crowd through. does its, the coop thing yeah. yeah it's 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 pretty cool um i think um, you know when they when i started doing it last year i think some of my family members thought they were booing uh, <laughs> but no it's it's, it's pretty cool
1: and that's how we started calling it the Coop Thing. Welcome to Eye on the Hawks, our live Sunday edition post-Michigan State, a 26-16 Hawkeye win with a lot to unpack. Certainly Mitch Vick, Owen Sebring, Mike Howell here. Uh, we'll get to Coop's big night, both on defense and special teams here in a little bit. But, of course, the top story really out of uh, Iowa's win is what they lost, which is a starting quarterback. Cade McNamara goes down with his left knee injury. Uh, I, I guess that's what we're assuming it is. We uh, still have to find out for sure. We'll probably learn more Tuesday, but certainly did not look good. As we get into the highlights, starting with that low light there, uh, there in the first quarter, as Cade was starting to drive, uh, the defense or the offense got pinned way back. Well, I guess we'll start with that that shot there. Oh, and you uh, you heard overheard him say uh, to to Rucker there from Michigan State that he he messed up his knee, and you see the wrap there, yeah. heavy afterwards. Uh, just a a super, super tough stretch for him to not only come into Iowa, trying to recover from one knee surgery, then he hurts the quad at kid's day and then gets taken off like that. Just uh, a super tough situation and, and your heart goes out to him just a has stepped in and been a leader right away, but not not an easy spot.
2: Yeah, uh, our, our colleague from KCCI, Shannon Earhart, had about the best angle of that that I've seen so far. She was just right, right behind the end zone where it happened, and you just saw that knee kind of buckle behind him. Non-contact, I, I think you could see no, nobody non-contact. really touched him, just kind of crumpled right under him. So hard to say what happened. I think, yeah, across the board, players, coaches, fans, media. I mean, everybody really liked Kate a lot, if not even just as a player. Just seemed like a good kid with a good head on his shoulders, and nobody wanted to see something like that happen. He was uh, such a talented kid. Everybody was so excited about what he brought to the table, and um, tough to see him
1: because he's, yeah, going to be out for a while. Yeah, Uh, we've got full game highlights that start with the injury itself. Uh, I, I had a halfway decent look at it. You see him running out of the end zone here and just takes that left step and out of kind of the column of the body, so to speak, and then goes down. And yeah. you knew right away it wasn't good. But Iowa pressed on and, and at least found something to be happy about. There's the first highlight from Cooper DeGene of the day—a big pick to stop a potential MSU scoring drive. We saw MSU move this ball, and then uh, Deacon Hill comes in, and Eric All just keeps on moving. A huge push for him to get that touchdown to put Iowa up. I believe ten to six at the time. You see Rusty Feth in there stepped into the starting lineup, and then. Uh, Jonathan Kim, kicker for, Ooh, boy. for MSU. 58 <laughs> yards as time expired in the first half. That's a new Kinnick Stadium record breaking uh, Marshall Kane's old mark, 57 against hmm. Pitt in 2015. And then uh, one of the the low points for, for Deacon Hill's day. We'll get more into his performance in a little bit with the the pick by MSU. But then here's the play that everybody's talking about, where they were chanting Coop even before the ball was (laughs) snapped, and you felt like it just kind of got willed into existence. Cooper DeGene down the sideline without a doubt.
2: He'd been so itchy to make that thing happen. You could just see it on his other punt returns
1: earlier in the season, like just wanting to finally break something open. So last night was the time he did it. And then the defense, what a night for them. Four turnovers, that's the third of them. Ethan Herkett recovering the fumble there. Quinn Schulte might have, might have, forced that fumble. I think it was officially ruled to Nick Jackson, but hey, the, the Xavier fans feeling good. And Deacon Hill, as far as we know, QB1 moving ahead. So let's get to reaction from Kirk and company.
3: Uh, impressed how Deacon stepped in. Tough circumstance and disappointing, uh, most mostly for Cade uh, to go down early with an injury like that. We really don't know his status till early next week, but uh, it's nonetheless very disappointing. I can only imagine how he's feeling yeah, I don't want to speculate, but it's you know it just it always is concerning the guy has to get helped off the field and um, yeah you know, just that if if you know, just to miss time period right now through what you know considering what he's been through, it's really tough so um, it, that's you feel bad for any player who gets injured, but in his case, it's just it's rough.
0: it was kind of strange because you know for as long as I've been playing in college kate has been the one that's thrown the balls, ball to me, except for one year with Joe Joe Milton. It was a half a season. But Kan't ended up coming in during that season. But um, it was kind of weird at first just looking back for the ball and seeing did throw me the ball. But, you know, it's the ball is a ball. You know, if it comes right here, you're going to catch it no matter who's throwing it. So that's it. Or sometimes you catch it right here. You know? <laughs> Ball's the ball with hmm. the shirt ray gun. Uh
1: just <laughs> uh, yeah, we we've we already kind of went over it. Just losing Cade's so tough considering what he's been through over the last calendar year and change, doing the the one knee, getting surgery, having to sit out, transferring here, coming in with such hoopla, and then recovering during the spring. Didn't really get to see him until getting into August. Gets hurt again in front of uh the the kids' day crowd. And now uh Boy, you don't know what's going to happen again. We'll learn more, learn more Tuesday. But now the other leg, and it's just it's it's uh, about as tough as a situation as you can get for a kid who's already been through quite a bit. Like I said in the last year,
2: yeah, um, hard to see. I mean, I don't know, Mike. Anything else you want to add to that? I kind no, of weighed just, in already.
4: No, it's just you know, definitely a bummer for Cade. Mm-hmm. I and mean, we've been talking like after the game, before the podcast, how you know, Cade was. I don't want to say they went all in with Cade with the, the NIL deal, but you got to think, at least in my opinion, that the expectations for the season are different as a fan. Hmm. Now, the team is going to still try and win the West, and they're all winnable games still. Yeah. You know, with Deacon back there, um, I think it's going to be tougher. Um, what we saw from Deacon and what we saw from Cade the, the, uh, this season, I mean... So far, it's not that far off. I think Mitch, you were saying that too, and I was rewatching the first half earlier today. Um, but it's still looking forward. It's it's going to be tough with a, you know a young, experienced quarterback who didn't play last year at Wisconsin. Played three games, he said, his senior year because of COVID, and hasn't played a lot of you know live game action. So, you know that pick that he threw. I hope you know he's he gets that out of his system, but he's hasn't played a lot, especially at the college level, you know?
2: Yeah. I think uh, uh, to add one more thing to the, to the um, Cade thing is that like, just as in terms of being a, such a spiritual and emotional leader of that team. I mean, again, coming in uh, six months into the program, you're named one of the team captains, something that we haven't seen out of a quarterback in a few years. Um, And so losing that on-field leadership is a big thing, but Deacon Hill I mean I, I don't I don't know he's he's obviously younger than Cade, so I, he probably doesn't have quite that level of leadership experience yet but he seems like a guy that the kids can rally around and support and um, yeah a, a, to your point I, I don't think that I saw a huge level of difference in talent and production between Kate McNamara and Deacon Hill at least out of the small sample
4: size very mature too um, I really liked in the post game when he said, uh, the first thing I said to the guys in the huddle was, "I'm gonna lean on you." Mm-hmm. Like he just knows. I think that's just very mature of him. You know, as a young guy, um, just knowing like, "Hey, you guys are gonna be my rock." You know, kind of kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a look at some of the pros and cons of Deacon's Day. Eleven to twenty-seven for one fifteen touchdown and a pick. He's the guy, as far as we can tell, moving forward, Kirk said, if Cade's out for any uh, significant length, which I think the expectation is that he will be, uh, he is your QB1, uh, a far cry from a a guy who I think was characterized in in one thing I wrote or one thing I read that had been written last night, that he was a bit of an afterthought transfer signing, which I didn't really frame it like that. Anytime a guy who's a former four-star coming in from a Big Ten program, I think you're your eyebrow raises a little bit of like, okay, like here, here's this guy and uh, his connection with Judd, um, John Budmeyer, who I believe was maybe his primary recruiter to Wisconsin. But uh, ups and downs there, drops, the big story uh, coming out of last night, I think anywhere between five and six drops. A lot of targets to wide receivers too, but uh, we kind of just talked about this. Didn't seem to do anything to make you think the sky is totally falling. And considering he hasn't played a whole lot of football, but he's got a ton of time with the ones in the spring and basically half a fall camp while Cade was out with the quad. Again, from what we've seen from Cade in 2023 compared to this small sample size, there wasn't a massive drop-off right. in terms of that. You know, I'm not going to compare talents because they're two different players, but in terms of production that we've seen, didn't see anything to make you think, well, every goal set for 2023 is out the door. Yeah. Uh there's a long, long road ahead, and it's a road that Deacon Hill's probably going to be walking now for us. Yeah, as
2: we've kind of talked about, as much as there was a lot of excitement about Cade coming in, his on-field production was not outstanding. His numbers were not setting the world on fire. He was doing a good job managing the game for the most part. Rough game last week against Penn State, so he'd been, he'd been good above average but not great um and deacon hill i think it's kind of what we about the same thing that we saw out of him 11 for 27 yesterday he very easily without a number of very easy drops could have been about 17 for 27 maybe gotten up to 200 yards passing i mean the drops yesterday were outrageous i mean I, i think that there was maybe some commentary about the fact that like just receiving the ball from a new quarterback than who you're used to i mean maybe there was something to that that just like a little bit different zip on the ball than what the wide receivers and the tight ends were used to, but boy, there were some drops. First drop that,
4: was when Cade was in. It was the first yeah. drive, and it was third and six, and Eric dropped one. It would have, or it was second and six. It would have set up for a third and one, which is a lot more manageable than a third and six. they didn't convert and had to kick a field goal. Um, and he alluded to that when he when he talked. I believe I read, or I think there's there are five drops from wide receivers, and then add the Eric all one, and the five were again where, when Deacon was in. Yeah. So I think Deontay had three, Nico had one, and uh, Caleb Brown had one. That would have been a big first down on third and nine, right after the stick. So, yeah. I mean, his completion percentage was forty-one percent, or sorry, forty-seven percent, I believe, or was it forty-one? Something rare on the forties. Not great, but if you add those, you know, a lot of those drops, I think it's closer to fifty. Yeah.
1: Maybe fifty-five. Yeah. Let's hear from Deacon himself. QB one moving ahead, as far as we know.
0: Um, You know, it's very quick, very quick turn of events. But, you know, we prep all week. Coach Bud and Brian, you know, really um, state that even if you're not the starter, you have to prepare like the starter. So it's all about just doing my job. Um, So when Cade went down, you know, whether he's in or I'm in, you know, we have to do our jobs to help this game. I mean, it was pretty surreal. I think everybody, especially a night game at Kinnick, and it's what dreams are made of. So, I mean, it was surreal. Um, It was a lifetime experience that I'll never forget. Um, but especially the best part was being with my team, you know, us pulling it through and winning. Can you express your
2: emotions of that first touchdown pass you had to Eric with you? Did you let out a who at the end of that?
0: I did, yeah. Um, it was, like I said, surreal, very hyped up. You know, it was a great drive we put together um, all around. You know, couldn't have done it without Eric, couldn't have done it without the O line. And so I think we're all virtually the same, uh, same amount of hyped, I should say.
1: Should also point out not just uh, Cade getting hurt in this one, Nick DeYoung, who is the most versatile. Offensive lineman Iowa has uh, also went out for an injury. It looked bad. It was on the uh, QB sneak, looked not great, but Kirk said afterwards, not as bad as it may have appeared. So I'm, again, won't speculate, but that's a, a tough loss that you add on now with losing QB one, RBs one and two, tight end one, and again, your most versatile O line member. So the hits keep coming. You see the stats there. We just went over with Deacon as well. Maybe it's the fact that he's a a big fella and he's got a big arm. I can't help but start comparing in my head Deacon Hill to Nate Stanley, who I think any Hawkeye fan would uh, be more than appreciative of having a a sequel to the Nate Stanley story, a Mm three-year starter, uh, that has a career that ends with him basically behind Chuck Long in almost every single major passing category in in the program's history. So... Again, super small sample size, I can't help but even if not totally encouraged, I saw enough that like your eyebrows raised a little bit and it seemed good, but didn't, you know, I saw some, some posts out there like, well, season's essentially over. Like, (laughs) again, the lack of patience sometimes in fan bases (laughs) is astounding. Yeah. Uh, Man, this is your dude, so. Yeah. And hitch the wagon to it, because that's that's the way it's going to go. And if you want to win the West, it's probably going to be through number 10, who's going to have to head back to his, his old home in a couple weeks. That's true.
2: As you have pointed out, among other people, I mean, this guy took probably the majority of snaps with the ones during the spring and the summer, all the time that Cade was was injured. I mean, this guy has a lot of reps with the ones. And so it's like, it's not like this guy is just some scrub. This is not Alex Padilla coming in in the second half. I mean, not throw shade at Alex Padilla, but... Come on. <laughs> this this guy, he knows what he's doing out there and he showed it last night that he can he can be a s- above average serviceable quarterback at the Big Ten level and, and do some things for this the one team. One
4: kind of big bummer about the going back to Cade injury is just it seemed to me that they changed a little they tweaked the offense when they came out. They come out right right away when Cade's still in, throw a you know, a real quick hitch to Deontay Rain like an out, got mm-hmm. twenty yards. Next play right to Reganey behind the line he gets 10 yards. And they were doing these quick passing games, which I think a lot of people were like, why can't we implement that? Because, you know, you see it all around college football. You do that, and then all of a sudden, they're in, um, you know, uh, Michigan State territory. And it's like, I would have liked to see Cade maybe game one, game two, game three, to see them do that a little more. Yeah. Target the receivers. Deontay, despite having three drops, he still had like three or four catches. Um, i take the drops out of the the equation. and He had a a good game um, compared to like stats all season to receivers. So I'm kind of bummed that I don't get to see Cade with that offense, but hopefully they continue that with, with Deacon, which all indications what they did seems like they will.
2: Yeah, I would hope so. And especially last night, it's tough when you come in and you've been planning the whole week for Cade against that team, and now Deacon comes in and it's like, you, you a little bit just kind of have to rely on your safety valves when it comes to guys like Eric All. But with a week of game planning, I think that that offense could look a little bit different moving ahead with Deacon there as a starter.
4: One of our viewers says Hill looks more comfortable Hawkeye Howard than, uh, than Cade in there. Do you guys agree with that? I mean,
1: almost. Cade's I, been banged up. Yeah. Like I said, you know, we didn't get 2021 Cade McNamara on this Hawkeye squad at any point, really, except for maybe the first handful of snaps at Kids Day in terms of public viewing, mm-hmm. you know coming back from a knee and then losing the quad. And like we talked about, not just losing some mobility, but maybe how he's planting and how he's throwing. And and that changes everything. Then he does this. Um, So real tight. And again, that's the shameful thing is you don't, we never at any point saw the Caden McNamara that we saw beat up Iowa in Indy in 2021. But again, I think just eyeball test, however much stock you want to put in that. Deacon Hill, I mean, balls were delivered where they needed to be. Uh, um, aside from the pick, more or less, um, more often than not, you saw some good accuracy. You saw zip velocity, uh, um, a propensity to maybe push it a little farther down when he's not going to the flats. I mean, I, just, I can't help but be a little encouraged. I mean, consider it's a small sample size, we don't know a ton, but like again, the, the narrative that it's over,
0: it ain't over.
1: We're yeah. five games in and, and you got a dude who, who looks like a gamer who's just, got a lot of time with the ones. I can't understate that.
4: I just did some quick math on my calculator app. If those five drops that he had were caught, he would have threw 59% completion. Yeah, percent. and so I think I think I
1: ballparked ball you maybe lost 40 some yards off that. I mean, just... And a couple it, first downs. It changed. Yeah, it changes everything. Drives stay alive. Uh, again, just from looking at it, Deacon Hill uh, looked good. Can, yeah, can't can't say enough about especially going in a tough situation like that first
4: and just, meaningful snaps and you too. get
1: down in the second half and you got to you know spark something obviously Cooper's play and we'll talk about that in a little bit but one thing we talked about on the other offense is that Michigan State again we saw they can move the ball but kind of a propensity to maybe put it in danger that's uh, really what got them behind the eight ball against Maryland last Saturday this Saturday a little bit more the same people have been clamoring about Why isn't defense getting the turnovers that they want? Well, they hadn't really played a team that was trying to attack the way this did. Jay Higgins uh, said in post, he's so happy he's not going to have to answer any questions like this (laughs) on Tuesday about these turnovers. But that's what sparked it there. The Cooper DeGene interception off Noah Kim as Sparty was driving in. And that was the first of three picks on the day for the Hawkeyes. He also had some great wrap-ups. Uh, Xavier Wampa had a really nice game out there. Quinn Schulte, I think, had eight tackles. Really, really nice turnout for him. This was Sebastian Castro early in the second half with a really nice jump of that. Of course, then the, the fumble from uh, Leshawn Williams who that got returned for a touchdown. Uh, both Owen and I were running down the sideline to get ahead <laughs> of the Iowa offense, and so we missed it. And then here's Quinn Schulte. Perfect read on this. Reverse. I think that was an eight-yard loss again. Big. He had a good game. Big night for coin. Maybe his best is a Hawkeye. Yeah, he um, had some
4: plays in coverage too early on when he was covering that big tight end. Yeah, and then Malika he caught. might
1: have forced this one. Ethan Herkett gets the recovery. Uh, boy, Ethan Hurkett he celebrates like he he, he forced yeah, the fumble. Yeah, he was he was ahead of it for sure. <laughs> yeah, Xavier boys just uh, enjoying the moment. And then Jamari Harris is uh, a bit of a late. Late push for MSU to try to do anything with time running out. So Cooper and Jamari. That was my preseason prediction. Bold prediction was that Jamari would outpace Cooper in interceptions, but they're tied. Yep. One to one now with that. So great to see that. Of course, the uh, the play of the night. No, if we can roll that that raw footage, Cooper DeGene just keeps building that legend. Uh, and they were they had the coop going even before that ball was snapped and. Boy, you just felt it. He gets it. He's got so much space there on the left, and just takes off and goes. And a lot of people on the sidelines yesterday. <laughs> a lot of people. So, uh, but this was just so fun to see just the the chaos of the celebration. Just yeah, everyone just went nuts, and uh, yeah, just- I. I think
2: I, I think I told you guys that even before that, those third downs where there were a couple of false starts on MSU, I mean, that was like just the loudest I'd heard Kinnick this year, which maybe isn't saying a whole lot, but still was just rocking. And then that place just like made that place erupt. And I, and I don't think I was even alone in that. I saw one guy tweet that he, I mean, this is all just whatever, very loose estimates, but he was like, I've been to over 100 Hawkeye football games, and that Cooper touchdown was the loudest I've ever heard Kinnick Stadium.
4: It, it was very loud. I've been to a, a ton of games, and I, I think... <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to judge, but year by year, but the 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 game I remember that was loud or as loud as the Penn State one. Yeah, um, I, I can't fathom that. Kind of reminded me the last touchdown of Reganis because was the same exact score. Well, no, he had one against Purdue last year. No, I meant the same score. Just that touchdown when Reganey caught the go ahead. It was twenty three to sixteen. Mm. Oh, after sure. that, so and it was a you know the lights were on and the crowd was going nuts. So. Just kind of reminded me of that moment, although there well, were the, a lot more stakes starts to kind that of one. of remind you of that,
1: yeah. too. Um, that crowd. I mean, that crowd played a big role in the second half as Michigan State maybe had a chance to get that move, and the, those two false starts were huge.
2: Before we hear from uh, Cooper here in a second, I do want to just, again, go back to the defense a little bit because, boy, I, I really have been impressed with them, even last week and this week a little bit, because yesterday, I mean, didn't allow a touchdown yesterday, obviously. Um and they still got put in some really tough spots against the Penn State team last week. They were putting a lot of tough spots where their backs were already against the wall just on the very first play of the drive. Kind of the same thing yesterday where Iowa got themselves pinned deep, had to punt it out of the end zone. And Iowa was starting with their defense already lined up against like their own 40 or 50 yard line. Uh, but they bowed up and they allowed some field goals, which, you know, I mean, again, hitting a 58 yarder, what can you do about that? But those guys played good pretty dang good yesterday i mean that's the kind of big 10 defensive play that i think people would want to see out of iowa this year and that they expect to see out of parker's defense yeah i
4: I think is still lacking is this the sacks there's still only three no sacks last night and there was a couple pressures but
1: they've played some again quick moving offenses that don't give you the opportunity for sacks and noah kim moves really really well i you know i The same situation of, oh, where are all the interceptions? Well, you haven't really played offenses that are super attacking downfield. Western Michigan obviously goes over the top and catches, but you know, when you play offenses that don't present opportunities for those stats, and I think Kirk even alluded to it after the game of like, we tell our guys not to get caught up in that because if that's the stuff you're chasing, you're going to get in bad situations. Whether or not the sacks come, I don't know. I think. You're, Michigan you're,
4: State, though, there was, a, there was a few times where he was in the pocket for four or five seconds. Yeah, he, he had some and, time,
1: for sure, yeah. for sure. Um,
2: Craig, Craig was in the backfield a yeah. number of times, I feel like. I feel like he was really chasing him down, you know, yeah. on a handful yeah. of Craig place. Again,
1: I think he might have had an eight tackle game, but he was all over the place. Just, I, I'm trying not to get hung up on that. And again, they got some interceptions, so that's all good. But of course, it is the Cooper DeGene show featuring Cooper DeGene, starring Cooper DeGene, uh, produced by Cooper DeGene. What a big night for him, as always.
0: Saw some things um, based on, you know, what their their formations were and where the punt um, you know we thought was was supposed to be and, and when I when I caught it where I was, I knew I knew I had a chance, you know, with with all that green in, in front of me and guys guys just, just battling and scrapping, you know, to, to lay blocks out there. A little frustrating when, when you get punts that, that go over your head and you know, they bounce inside inside the 10 and sit there and you you know, you we talk about field position. You know, and I, I feel like that's that's my job in, in that scenario to, to get us good field position. So, yeah, it's a little frustrating, um, you know, but you just got to stay patient with it. You know, we've, we've been close on on a few part returns all year, um, and, and we finally finally broke one through. Um, anytime number three gets the ball, I just look for the end zone. Uh, I mean, he's just he's a special guy, um, and you don't want to see him in space. So coop and space equals good for the Hawkeyes.
1: Couldn't have said it better myself. 62 tackles now through five games. By the way, from mm-hmm. Jay Higgins. I don't. I can't remember if any of us had. I don't think anybody had him as a defensive MVP going into the year. I, he's as good as it gets. Yeah. He's, he's really tremendous He's never won on that list. If, yeah. if we were doing that right now. Yeah, he's, for sure. He's, he's been something special. And, and talk about a guy who's waited for his opportunity, sitting behind Jack Campbell and company, just waiting to get out there. And boy, he's he's made the most of it. We would be very out of line if we did not talk about Drew Stevens, folks. Those 26 points, 12 of those come from the foot of number 18. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head the last time Iowa had a guy hit four field goals in a game or even attempt four field goals in a game, but he certainly uh, was fantastic last night. And can't ask for much more out of a kid who uh, I believe Kirk drew the parallel, and, and maybe we'll hear it in this soundbite here, not parallel, but just pointed out that a couple of years ago, Between him and Aaron Blom, they had a rough spring. I think he said as bad as As he'd seen As bad as he'd ever seen. And I remember him talking about that, too, because that was always not something you just assume I was going to have, but they've been blessed with a lot of really, really good kickers over the years. And Drew Stevens uh, certainly etching his name to a spot that if it wasn't for Cooper DeGene's punt return, maybe he's He's Special teams Player of the Week in uh, the Big Ten. Heck, maybe they split it, but here's Kirk on Drew Stevens. Well, he's just
3: been so consistent. Basically, uh, I think it was nineteen to twenty-one last year, or something like that. I think he missed two on the whole season. So, um, if you think about where he was a year ago, spring when he was here, and both, you know, our, our place kicking just looked terrible that spring, maybe as bad as I've seen in a couple decades. And the improvement he made just from that time, spring till last fall through the fall, it's impressive. And he's you know he's a bigger, more mature kid now, and he's uh, he's done a really nice job.
1: We're five games in and I still somehow can't wrap my head around the idea that there is an audio version of this stream, too. (laughs) Uh, If you aren't watching on YouTube and you're only listening to the podcast version, get over to the Iowa's News Now YouTube channel whenever you can. That's where we've got video highlights. You're hearing us describe things that you can't see if you're only listening. That's where all the video is. and. Uh, we'll do a better job. I'll do a better job at, at plugging that off the top of the shows because it's getting a little ridiculous that I don't do that. Uh, we're just used to TV being the, the main medium, and I guess that's what I'm uh, overlooking. But great highlights there, Owen shot the heck out of this game. Me, not so much, I don't D- know. <laughs> don't be so hard on yourself, Mitch, Dude, come on now. I, I got some shutter <laughs> questions for you and some other stuff going on. That, that camera is, I should probably spend more time with the equipment I use. Uh, speaking of spending more time on doing any sort of research, let's look at our picks from this past week because uh, just a free fall into nothingness is what this continues to be mm-hmm. for certainly me and, and maybe for the rest of the group here collectively. Show yeah, us. Yeah, definitely.
4: I, I didn't bring him up yet. Let me pull it up. Uh, this all is, right, we
1: probably don't need to see him. I'd rather. <laughs> yeah,
4: I'll just read him off. Okay, so um, Owen and Mitch went 1-3-1 and with their winner at Purdue and Illinois, and we all pushed the Minnesota-Louisiana game because it was an 11-point win. It was 11-point favorite. We all lost on Northwestern, plus 27, barely, because Penn State won by 28. And then I uh, went 0-4-1, so not a good day for me. Uh will win less, but... Uh, didn't gain much ground
1: so are we back tied again we're tied yes okay.
4: <sighs> how, how am I doing how am I doing am I good you're a one or a, sorry like 11 18 and one
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah that's not good
2: don't come to us for your gambling advice. That's yeah. what we're saying oh, here. Like you know, we're doing these for, for fun. Uh, but listen, I'm not, I'm not purposes money on late. anything. I'm picking
1: on here. <laughs> I, I know what I don't know, and clearly it's it's quite a bit. Uh, well, Purdue coming off a big win there against Illinois. Uh, they are up next. Certainly, we'll get more into that on Wednesday. Two and three now. Remember that opening loss to, to Fresno State that had everybody befuddled. How do you lose at home to, to Fresno State? That Fresno State squad is now five and zero. Oh. They went on the road and won at Arizona State a couple weeks ago uh, and just knocked off Nevada 27-9 to yesterday. Hung 53 on Kent State. They have yet to score less than 27 points in a game. They've been, been really outstanding in terms of just getting that offense going. So Purdue Purdue has a good loss, I suppose, to uh, to Fresno State, if they, you want to call it that. They lost to Syracuse, who I think was 4-0 going to yesterday. lost one they lost yesterday. Lost to Clemson,
2: yeah, but yeah, Syracuse is obviously good. Um,
4: Tyrone Tracy, twenty-one carries, one hundred and twelve yards, and a touchdown yesterday. He, he's in uh, Russia, yeah, I believe. He's, that's a big uh, storyline. Uh, kind of that a is guy. a big storyline. Yeah, and um, next week's going to be interesting. I, you know, Purdue always gives Iowa trouble, yes. um, especially Iowa's defense. They give, or they they let you have what you know. What am I trying to say? <laughs> they let you take what they're given, you know, uh, the underneath stuff. And Hudson Card is a, is a good quarterback and. I just can see a lot of long drives mm. if they don't turn the ball over. I feel yeah. like next
2: week is the game where I finally feel like I'm gonna be able to maybe have an idea of like what this Iowa team is or who they is who who they is, who they are <laughs> um, just because I feel like every game so far has been like you know you've played a great Penn State team you've had that rivalry game against Iowa State. You've maybe played average at best against some competition that's going to be at the bottom of their conferences or against lower level competition. Purdue's a very challenging opponent, but one that plays somewhat at your level. And once you get through that game, it's like, all right, who is this team? What's the identity of this Hawkeye football team?
1: Going to learn a lot, especially with Deacon getting a full week with the ones again and and prepping for his first career start. It's going to be uh, quite interesting. By the way, Utah State beats UConn in UConn yesterday, 34-33, as we look back at previous opponents. Mm -hmm.
2: Not exactly a marquee win beating UConn. I don't know what their record is, but they're usually one of
1: the worst teams. All you can do is play who's lined up on the other side, folks. Bottom 10 (laughs) fodder for Ryan McGee to write about. There you go. Um, All right, so, yeah, we will. uh,
4: One quick thing before we wrap up, because this is the main storyline. Well, main storyline on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. is just a lot of times... There were some stretches in the game, and not to harp on this offense, but it's like the main story of Iowa football this year, I feel like. It's just there were a couple three-and-outs in a row, and you guys heard the boos when, you know, it was third and ten, you do a a draw. At least a couple of times, if not three of fire, Brian Chance. Yeah, so I guess now with a new quarterback coming in, does that play any impact to how It'll he change. comes out?
1: People chant the same thing.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's... <laughs> no, I just mean that this offense, I mean, I don't know what what question I'm asking, but it's just, it's there. This is one of the statistically, you know, worst power five offenses in the country. Um, what can they do to...
1: Iowa could have a 450-yard offensive game and they'd have a three out in the middle of it and there'd be fire That's, <laughs> I, I See,
4: I would disagree with it. If there was 450 yards of offense, when's the last time that happened? Yeah, and, this is
1: a terrible parallel to draw. It's a let's go Brandon thing. You know what I mean? It's just the thing you say now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I'll
4: push back a little bit of that. I think if if they came out and had three, 400 yards of offense in any game, because last last night was, I'd say, average. And what do you have, 100 and, 160 yards passing or so and then like 60 yards rushing? I mean... Not horrible. I don't but.
1: think one game would remedy anything, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. People, it's it's the mob thing, mob mentality of like, it started in the student section and then it's just a thing to do. Frankly, that's what it's become. I, I
2: guess I see it as somewhat of a moot point at this point because yeah. Brian will be the offensive coordinator through the end of the season yeah. and he will not be the offensive coordinator in five months. There's no way on God's green earth that Brian Ferris is going to be the offensive coordinator come next season. And so it's like I don't know about that. (laughs) I I wouldn't say that. I I think that that's like a lock in my mind. That there's no way he has this job next year. Um, So you can you can chisel that in stone by Owen Sebring if you'd like. But there's just no way um, that based on performance from the last three years and the fans' ire. I mean, Beth knows it, and and Mm -hmm. she I think is going
3: to make a change in the office. You guys
4: want to hear what Kirk said? He was asked last night. You guys were there uh, about the the booing.
3: It's just a short soundbite. Well, I mean, three and outs aren't any fun for anybody, so I get that, and we're working hard to improve that, and that's that's what we're gonna do. That's what we do every year, every season. About Colby, yeah. Yeah.
1: Again, Ed, you know, we talked about this last week. It was laid out in February. Here's the contract thing, which doesn't like terminate him. It just ends that deal, and Uh whatever happens with that happens. And then it's put in again in August. He's not getting fired today tomorrow at any point until this thing is all the way. And I think that even that contract would then void into like at the end of June, like again, it's just chanting is just becoming a thing to do to fill time because you have no control over the situation and you want to do something to express disappointment. That's so, all it is. I
2: I'm, I told Mike yesterday, I wanted to bring this up and this is not my thought. Um, Nick Weig is the one who pointed out to me, our colleague and uh, maybe somebody else had said it, but like, Based on the production that Nate Stanley had under Brian Ferentz, as offensive coordinator, did he deserve a Heisman Trophy? I mean, the fact that that guy put up the numbers that he did in the offense compared to what quarterbacks have done in that offense since then, boy, those numbers that Nate Stanley put up look even more impressive in hindsight.
1: Nate Stanley had two NFL tight ends, multiple NFL wide receivers. I mean, that's that's what I...
4: O-line was a lot better, too. Like,
1: that's why... an experienced O-line.
4: Now, I... I, I would be more on the, as a fan, a negative side, and I think there's games where Brian just there's hardly any good play calls. Mm-hmm. But when you look back, and like Lysico had that stat where the year 2017 or 2018, 70% of the 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 balls went to wide receivers. It, Amir Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith, like Brandon Smith had a cup of coffee. It's Amir Smith-Marset just had a touchdown a couple weeks ago in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, if I'm not right. mistaken. Um, Chiefs, yeah. uh, But the talent was a lot better on offense. So where you hear some apologists, they want to be, you know, framed that it goes back to execution. The offensive line is not playing up to that standard. Yeah. they played for Nate Stanley, and but Nate Stanley was also on NFL roster for a while too. So he was a talented guy.
2: Certainly, the offensive line that is definitely a fair point in that one. It, it's hard. I always feel like a position like wide receiver is so hard to judge talent wise because it's like could. Nico Raggaini or uh, Deontay Vines or Seth Anderson put up Amir Smith-Marset type of numbers if they had a different quarterback thrown to them or if they were in a little bit different system. I mean, it's hard because they look great because, you know, the the offensive line helped and the quarterback helped them look a little bit better. Our The talent level there, I, I guess, I don't know. It's hard for me to say as somebody who doesn't know and of football that well. Um,
1: if if they have, like, a very wide gap in talent between those type of players. And Charlie Jones goes to Purdue, and it's a different offense. It's an offense that's yeah. going to fire it downfield over and over. Aiden O'Connell starting for the Raiders today. <laughs> I think She's got to be the first Purdue guy to start a game in the NFL since Breeze, right? I have to think so. Yeah. Brian, did Brian Hoyer start any time
2: between those two? Or wait, not Brian <laughs> Hoyer. Hoyer I, he's a State, Michigan yeah. State guy. Who am I thinking of? But um,
1: regardless, oh, yeah. Kyle Orton, probably. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, Keaton Copeland's on the record, too. He was asked about this, I think, last season of, like, receivers aren't coming to Iowa. Or we tell them, like, this isn't a place to come pad your stats. Yeah. yeah it's just, you know, it's different when it's Amir and he's a fast dude who can, you know, break off big chunk plays and things like that. And Brandon was a great deep threat as well, like...
4: I think Seth's a a good receiver. I I don't know if he's on. I remember when Charlie had the 21, last year at Iowa, he had 21 catches. Yeah. And me and my buddy would go to games and be like, why don't we play him more? You know, Keegan Johnson was was the receiver there with Arlen Bruce, I believe, was the two running back or two receivers out there. But it's just like you could see the talent because he was returning punts too. I'm like, man, he's electric. I think Seth is really good with the ball, and I think he's electric, too. But I don't know if he's on right on that level, yeah. but he's talented.
2: And, and I, you know, you hate to keep playing the wait-and-see game, but it's possible. I mean, still, you know, Deontay and Seth are still young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they haven't had a lot of on-field time yet. So you
1: know, maybe a senior, that'll... isn't he? Or is he a junior?
4: Yeah, he's up there, but to your point. He hasn't played experience a lot. of Experience-wise.
1: Yeah. Um, Keegan Johnson, I don't think, has played a ton for Kansas State. Not People's situations... Are are what they are, but like yeah. yeah that's the other thing too. Is just yeah, there's not. I hate saying it like this. There's not a guy we're going to see on Sundays right now that's been heavily involved in the in the wide receiver offense. Mm-hmm. In my humble no, I agree. Apologies to everybody who's involved. Um Yeah, just I don't know.
0: It's you, just you, one of those topics
1: that I wanted b-
4: to to bring it, it up, and we'll probably talk about it every reaction podcast. But you know, it's it's you know it's been the story for three years now, so think it was worth talking about a little bit at least sure
1: yeah time is a flat circle I just keep (laughs) talking about it um we'll we'll check back in on Wednesday after we've talked to everybody Tuesday we'll have more on Cade's situation probably an update on Nick DeYoung as well and uh we'll continue to wildly speculate about things completely out of our control but that we can't get off our minds because that's life over there so for eye on the hawks thanks to everybody for watching again uh the youtube channel is where you got all the videos and everything and you've got the the podcast links as well to listen throughout the week so for mike and owen i'm mitch i'll get better at endings and better at introducing videos by november at least right i mean come on have a good night everybody